This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Our reading today is from 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Well, I have the privilege of introducing to you today uh, our guest, Helen Shapiro. Uh, Many of you know Helen. Helen and her husband, Max, minister uh, at First Covenant Church uh, in Anchorage. Uh, She is an author. She is an educator. She focuses particularly in the area of spiritual direction and spiritual formation. And uh, during our time here in Alaska and even before... In California, uh, Lori and I have gotten to know Helen and have been blessed by her ministry. So, Helen, would you come on up this morning? And as Helen comes up, um, her latest book is Christ-Shaped Character. And ladies, at 1245, following our second service, in the library, uh, there's going to be a, a special time with Helen, a, a book reading, a time to talk a little bit more about Christ-Shaped Character. Uh, you're invited to attend uh, Colleen Brown will be out in the lobby of the church and give you more information about that. Uh, but uh, let us welcome Helen this morning. Helen, thank you for coming. Oh, you're welcome. And welcome. Thanks, Bob. You're welcome. Thank you. Probably hear me better now. It's great to be with you. Uh, I've been here before visiting, and I've also um, been with some of the women at different times at Community Covenant. It's always a joy to share the joy of the Lord, the way that we're growing in discipleship and love for uh, one another and for Jesus Christ. So this morning, let's begin with prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. For you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Quite a few years ago now, um, I was at Berkeley Covenant Church in Berkeley, California. 
And that church community prayed and laid hands on two women's heads, one of them being me. The other one was a woman named Vanette Thorsell, who you may or may not know, but I know I can see someone there shaking her head. You know her, don't you? You know about her. Vanette was the other woman being blessed. I was being sent into, blessed into my ordination as a minister of God's word and the sacraments of Christian faith. Vanette was being sent back to the place where she had served as a missionary for over 40 years. At her own request, really at Vanette's insistence, She was returning to Zaire, which we now know as the Republic of Congo, where she had been for over 40 years. This was several years after her retirement. It was that retirement, her age, which was the one vanity she had that she kept a secret. It was that retirement and the incredible violence in Zaire, in the Congo, that demanded her leaving the Congo, that part of Africa. But she wanted to return. Let it be said about Vanette that she was a pretty plain-spoken woman. She wasn't afraid to speak her mind. She would turn to my what she considered my young husband, although I don't know how young he really was, to tell him she didn't quite like the way that he interpreted the Bible in the Bible study, and she was not... Um, she was not, uh, didn't stop from telling me that she didn't approve of the whole idea of women's ordination. This was despite the fact that we were both being blessed in that service. Nevertheless, it was Vanette who came home to my home when my third child was born to care for my two older children who were both preschoolers. And it was Vanette as well who returned to my home two weeks later when my own child had double pneumonia, my baby, my infant son, and I stayed at the hospital to nurse and to pray for him. And to this day, as I look at my 26-year-old son who I just saw, I believe that it was Vanette's prayer and her steadfast presence with me and our whole family that really pulled us through. During congregational prayer times at that church, Vanette would read long letters from African brothers and sisters with consonant-filled names that we didn't really understand at all. And they lived in circumstances and locations that we couldn't even imagine from our comfortable California pews. But I'll tell you this. As Vanette read those names, her voice got louder and more animated and more excited because these were her people. She loved them. She saw a whole world invisible to us, filled with vibrant colors, deep faith, and really unimaginable suffering. Six months after Vanette left her, with, after that blessing from her community to return to Africa, we received word that an intestinal obstruction had proved too tenacious. Um, even for the skillful hands of the surgeon at the hospital in Karawa. The surgeon who had grown up with Vanette as his own spiritual mother now closed her eyes 
pulled the white sheet over her face and wept. It would be quite a while before we had the memorial service because we waited to get the video of the funeral in the Congo. And as we watched that um, video, we recalled her outspoken presence among us and her loud, cackling African parrot. And then we saw the video. We saw all along the sides of the road hundreds and thousands of people all dressed in white, waving white handkerchiefs and scarves, weeping and crying out, calling out in colonial uh, French, in Lingala, Madame Venet, Madame Venet. And when the long procession arrived at that burial site, all the missionaries who were with us gasped. Because, of course, this funeral had to be done right away because of the heat in the Congo. And that burial site was deep. I mean, like a foundation for a small home. And they had carved, um, they had carved steps in to the grave so that they could carry her down with all the with all the stately, majestic grace that they felt that Madame Venet deserved. It was there she found her ancestral home, even while she was, of course, receiving her heavenly home. And at that moment, her spirit, in a really significant way, leapt from that spacious grave, because she was more alive now to us in a way that we had known her to be visible now in a way that we hadn't really understood her or seen her before her death. What I want to say about Vanette this morning is that she was an ordinary person who found her desire aligned with God's desire and lived this out in the context of her life. But I think it's fair that we see Vanette also in the confusion and struggle she felt about living in the United States and the changes that had come to Berkeley, um, and not just in the Congo. You've known these people, too, here at Covenant Community, as we do at First Covenant. Sometimes those people are stubborn. Sometimes they can even be annoying. Sometimes they don't agree with us. But they're people who have loved God and sought to follow God's call in their lives. People who loved you and me even when they have disagreed with our choices. The gift to to us from those people, and I don't know who they are. I have a guess, though, here that I might know some of their names. Their gift to us is not godly perfection that engenders an inspiring story that's way out of our reach. Instead, their gift to us is this kind of utter tenacity, the steadfastness of holding on to their particular commitments and calling, even when circumstances were hard or even when God seemed distant. Their goodness lies precisely in their willingness to face the reality of their own fallible, maybe confused, maybe sometimes clearly right, or sometimes wrong-headed selves, and embracing it all while letting Christ rise through the ashes and glory of their humanity. Sometimes, like Vanette, we might see their gifts more clearly 
at the time of their deaths because we, we didn't quite see it when they were alive. We were so, so aware of other things. And then there, through their deaths, the beauty of God's presence in them, we see it again in a way that we might have failed or missed or not understood. My maiden name is Harmelink, which is a Dutch name, and I come from a small Dutch community in Wisconsin. And it wouldn't be until my dad, Harry Harmelink, died, and we gathered for the viewing, which is what we call it in Cedar Grove, Wisconsin, that I saw my dad's hidden life. We heard about a compassionate grocer who forgave debts when the families couldn't pay and still needed to have food. We heard the story of a friend who simply offered a silent, compassionate presence to another mourning a loss. And we met a church elder who quietly behind closed doors struggled and wept every time someone presented to him for discipline in that very strict Presbyterian church. My dad was as quiet as Vanette was outspoken. But there was in him, as well as in her, this core of integrity, the core of what is true. It was veritas, right? It was truth. Um, In um, Hebrews 12, I'm just going to read a couple verses. Um, You might remember this passage. The biblical writer of Hebrews tells us to lay aside every weight and sin that clings closely and to run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And when we hear that, perhaps here in Alaska we think of young, fit runners, you know, with their new direction, uh, running shoes on, and their, their running clothes, ready to run, um, ready to run that marathon. But the verse begins, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Those great cloud of witnesses were the imperfect ones the ones who struggled to find their way, those like Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Rahab, Gideon and David, who wandered and wandered during their own lives, believing in a completion in Christ that they couldn't see at the time and perhaps didn't even understand. These saints and witnesses bear the burden of their own sense of incompleteness, without trying to fill it with anything other than God. And this is, I think, what Paul gets at when we, we just heard Ralph read in that wonder, his wonderful voice, these words. Let the same mind, I'm sorry, let these wonderful words about the imperfection, about having this treasure in clay jars, Paul writes to of Jesus, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, 
taking the form of a slave, being born again in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient, even obedient unto death. There's an odd paradox that happens here because that that passage, as you know, in Philippians 2, ends with Christ being exalted. And isn't that true for us, too? That emptying ourselves is a finding of our true selves. It's in that emptying that we begin to say, oh, oh, now I see what is true and real. Jesus says, anyone who wants to come with me, this is from the message, has to let me lead. Self-help is no self, no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade for your soul? There's a subtle shift that happens in people as trust becomes habit and habit becomes life. And I saw it in Vanette. It's that instead of having Jesus as part of our lives, or instead of even living for Jesus, we live with Jesus, making his life our life, so that Jesus is the life shining through us. In Hebrews, the real victory of faith comes because Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We often get hung up in the Christian church, I think, that perfection is what, um, is what we need to do. But Hebrews says, Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. It's not our perfection that's the point. Because that can lead us into a kind of personal idolatry. It's Jesus' life and resurrection. That's the point of it all. If we're trying after our own perfection, we'll find ourselves defending ourselves. I'm okay. I want to convince you that I'm okay. But if we're no longer needing to defend ourselves, we are free to love others and God out of awareness, out of forgiveness, out of a deep acceptance of God's love for us. And I think what is true for uh, what is true for us as individuals is true for a community as well. Um, that when we're soaked in God's love, we can honestly care about others. Not because we need to, but because it just flows over us. We can begin to see their needs above our own. Not because we have low self-esteem and want to be needed, but out of simply overflowing love. And what you often see among these people of integrity is that they're able to laugh at themselves. To laugh at our own human foibles without having to feel that we're self-deprecating. But simply, that's who I am, an acceptance of our humanity and our willingness to be loved by God, just as we are. 
there's a, the Japanese speak of um, the beautiful teapot that's made more beautiful because it has a crack that emerged over time. Or the beautiful plate that has, you know, the, the, the kind of rubbed where um, the hands have been to hold it. And they call that wabi-sabi. This is the beauty of the imperfect. And you've seen it. You've seen it in people, but you've seen it in stuff. A beautifully mended silk garment that's made more beautiful by this beautiful mending that's been done. A quilt that where you've taken scraps and brought that together. A slight dip in the edge of an exquisite vessel. Or at my house, I have a wooden table that we, we were given years ago. And it's more beautiful now because it has the marks of age and use. Because it's the memory of the tables, of the, the places that were eaten there. The kids who worked on that table doing their homework. In each case, the integrity is not integrity of perfection, but integrity of what is true, what is veritas, what is true. And in the end, it's not striving for perfection or moral mastery or even seeking God's approval that marks people of integrity. Instead, you know, we think of the people of integrity, they're like the surprise sheep, you know, in Matthew 25, where Jesus says, okay, I'm bringing you in. And they say, how did we get here? And they say, Jesus says, well, when I was hungry, you brought me food. When I didn't have clothes, you gave me clothes. And when I had nowhere to go, you took me in. And they say, I don't remember that. I didn't do that. And Jesus says, when you gave it to the least of them, you gave it to me. The light that shines in people who live with integrity isn't manufactured light. It isn't a light that they've made for themselves. But it's a light that appears when they embrace their own in darkness and allow the light of Christ to shine through them. And now we're back right where we started. I want to read again that passage that Ralph was read so well. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed sometimes, but not driven to despair, perhaps persecuted, but not forsaken, sometimes struck down, and who knows how you may be struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying the body in the body, our body, this body of Christ, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be visible in our bodies, in this body. For while we live, we are always being made, given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus 
may be made more visible in our mortal flesh. That's Christian wabi-sabi. <laughs> That's the beauty of that clay jar. It's a beautiful jar. And yet the treasure that's in it is the light that shines through, right? The power of God in us. That's what makes for integrity in our lives. And, you know, this was hard for the Corinthian church to grasp. It was tough for them. They thought of the Apostle Paul right now. We don't think of the Apostle Paul that way, but in the church in Corinthians, the Corinthian church, wanted a super apostle. They wanted a perfect apostle. And they thought the Apostle Paul, who we might put on a pedestal, was weak, maybe even a failure. But Paul said, we're true. (laughs) We've got integrity We're allowing the life of Christ to shine through us. There's a um, contemporary songwriter, probably shows my age, Leonard Cohen. He's wonderful, even though he's quite, not maybe not the youngest of songwriters. And he writes this, Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And there's a crack in everything, and that's how the light gets out, too. Um, Through our humanity, through our imperfections, that's how people begin to see integrity. So this morning, I want to end. I wish I had a bell with me. I'd ring the bell. I'd ring the bell to celebrate those among us who allow Christ's light to shine through their cracks to illuminate the world and the life of the world, and to celebrate people like my dad, Harry Harmling, and Vanette Thorsell, whose death revealed to us lives of integrity and blessing that we might have missed. And then for all of us here, let's celebrate that today all of us can ring the bell and invite the light of Christ to shine through us. We don't have to reach a certain bar. We don't have to reach a sense of mastery. We don't have to find spiritual perfection. Christ can shine through our cracks. And that's the way that we'll share that blessing. And that's the way all of us here in this community and in First Covenant as well will witness to God's unending love. Let's pray. We thank you, God, for your deep, unending love that belongs to each one of us who call you Savior, who have come to know you through the love of Jesus Christ. Help us to, in each of our ways, allow the light of Christ to shine through us into the world, into our families, into the church, into our friendships. So that the integrity, the true, 
sense of who we are and who you are will be revealed in all its glory. Amen.